today, uh, before we continue on with the message, I want to start off with Isaiah 66. I'm not going to stop this. Uh, Every single time I do a message, I go for Isaiah 66 because it corrects our approach to the Word of God. And it says here in verse 1, This is what the Lord says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not, my, has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. So can we all tremble at the word of God today? Let's really revere the word of God. So today I want to talk about uh, fighting in faith. But the, the, m- most of the part of, of this message that I want to speak to you guys by the grace of God is, is not really fighting in faith as much as it is defining what a fighter in faith looks like. All right, so, so, so first let's, let's define what is fighting in faith. Fighting in faith is not letting go of the promises of God until God has done exactly what he's promised. All right, so that's what fighting in faith is, 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 is believing God. God, you said in your word that, that this is your promise, and I will believe that, and I'm not going to let go until you fulfilled it in my life. It's believing in what he says, not what your circumstance says. All right, it's, it's living by faith and not by sight, uh, living by what you believe, not what you comprehend with your eyes and your circumstance. Do you understand? So, so it's the people say, Lord, I will take a hold of your promise. That's, that's fighting in faith. But before I continue talking about fighting in faith, I want to talk about a fighter in faith. A person who fights in faith. And I have two main points in this one. A person who fights in faith is a person who is after God's own heart. Right? So, so that's one. Uh, a person who fights in faith is a person who is after God's own heart. And the other one is a person who is passionately weak. All right? So first let's start off with a, um, with a man after God's own heart. You know, as, as the new year approaches, you know, we're, we're so close to the new year. And as, as the new decade, well, what do we do every year well, when it's the new year? Resolutions, right? And, and what is a resolution? Because... Some people make resolution, like they define resolution as goals. And, but the thing, the thing about resolutions is it's not a goal. It's a resolution is the decision that determines all your other decisions. Does that make sense? So it's, it's the decision that defines all your other decisions. So for example, let's say your resolution this year was to get fit. Raise your hand if that was, that's going to be your re- resolution. Well, good, good. Well, if, you, if that is your resolution, guess what? Now you have decided to exercise. Now you have decided to eat healthy. Now you decided to stop eating rice. I'm just kidding. I don't know if Filipinos can do that. Um, but it's, it's the, the, your first decision defined the rest of your decisions. Same thing with um, becoming a, you want to be a good student? Well, what do you have to do? You study, right? You make the decision to study. You make the decision to do your homework. You make the decision to go to class. 
So resolutions define your decision. And for the rest of our life, the resolution we should make, the resolution we ought to make is to be a man or woman after God's heart. All right? And and there's there's this famous uh, promise there's these famous promises in the gospel where I want to go over. And one of them is uh, Matthew 7, 7. And when we all know, know this verse. We're very familiar with it. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Let me ask you something. How many times have you asked but it wasn't given? How many times have you sought but not found? And how many times have you knocked and no door was open. So does that make this promise untrue? Because personally in my life, I have sought and not found. I have asked and not received. And I look at this and, and, and I wonder, God, you, is, are you lying? <laughs> but but, but the, fortunately, the, the truth is this promise is true. What we just need to do with this promise is understand the background. <laughs> To understand the context of this promise. And I want you guys to listen to this. This promise is not for those who seek to preserve, promote, or advance themselves. Alright? This promise to ask, seek, knock, and it will be given to you is not so that your life would be better. Was not so that you'd be promoted or advanced. This promise is for those who are men and women... (laughs) After God's heart. All right. And, and I, I want to bring up an, another uh, verse. It says here in Mark eleven twenty four, We know this verse too. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And this is one of the most famous verses that prosperity gospel preachers use. The name it and claim it. But how many people have named it, have claimed it, but have not received it? In the same way, the only ones who can testify to the truth and the fulfillment of this promise are those who are after God's own heart. All right? It says here in Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, we know this, there your heart will be also. Does he keep talking about the heart? What's the next verse? The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Truthfully, you cannot serve both God and anything and anyone else. I want you guys to, to, to understand your gaze, what you look at, what your eyes are fixed on reveals your heart. You, you, know, you know, I can't look at you and, and say, this is what your heart is, is made of. This is what your heart is fixed of. I can't see your heart. Only God can see your heart, right? But the thing is, I can see what your eyes are fixed on. It's, it's easy to see what your eyes are fixed on because whatever your eyes are fixed on, there, is, there also is your heart and your treasure. You know, great goals, resolutions, and, 
and you know the, the things we pursue in life like success or stability these can be great idols in our life i want you guys to understand that they could be great idols you know in, in fact ministry can be an idol in your life you know if, if your eyes are fixed in the advancement of your success of your stability of your ministry i am so sorry <laughs> but you will not Hold, uh, take hold of the promises of God. Those who worship idols cannot take hold of the promises of God. Only those who are men and women after God's own heart. So what then is a man after God's own heart? You know, I, I've been saying men and women after God's own heart. So, so let, let's go define it. So when, when you hear the phrase ascribed to David... You know, God even called David a man after God's own heart. What comes to your mind? What about God's heart is David after? Because when I pray the prayer, Lord, make me like David, please. So who, who else have prayed that prayer? Lord, make me like David, to be a man after your own heart. And I always meant it to be, Lord, help me to love the way you love. Which is not a wrong prayer, I'm just saying. It's just a very right prayer. But... When I read the Psalms of David, when I read the stories of David in, in, in Samuel, I start getting suspicious. And honestly, I'm, I'm starting to realize that my assumption was completely wrong. By reading the Psalms of David, would anyone describe David as a compassionate person? Let's go to Samuel. 1 Samuel 17, 45-46. It says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. How loving is that? This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. The whole world will know there is a God in Israel. So, but by hearing this, do you react to this as like, oh my gosh, he's so compassionate. He cuts off someone's head. No, obviously not. It, it says you're in Psalm 35. There's another example of that. Uh, verse 1 to 4. It says, contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and armor. Arise and come to my aid. Brandish spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to me, I am your salvation. May those who seek my life be disgraced and put to shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned um, back in dismay. So looking at this, I can't really take from that as, oh my gosh, David is a loving person. So what after God's heart is David after? And the answer is whatever God is passionate about. What do you think God is, is actually passionate about? The passion of God is found in the purposes of all he does. All right? It says in Colossians 1.16, it says, For in him all things were created, things on heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and what? For him. Everything, the creation God purposed for 
his glory it says here in psalm 19 1 to 4 the heavens declare what the glory of god the skies proclaim the work of his hands day after day they pour forth speech night after night they reveal knowledge they have no speech they use no words no sound is heard of them yet their voice goes out into all the earth their words to the ends of the of the world in the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. One more verse. Isaiah 42, verse 8. It says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or praise to idols. David is a man after God's own heart because this is what God is passionate about. God is passionate and zealous about his own glory. All right? God is zealous for his own glory, and David is also zealous for God's glory. Because why did God create? For his glory. God does everything, absolutely everything, for his glory. And he's not prideful, by the way, just because he censors everything around him. He's not, it's not a prideful thing. Um, an example of this is, uh, let, let's say it's your birthday, all right? And then your mom threw you a birthday party. And I come to your birthday party, and instead of celebrating you, I draw the attention of all your guests and make them sing happy birthday to me. I blow your candles, I cut your cake, and I open your gifts and keep them for myself. How would you feel? Not good, right? Because it was supposed to be your day, but I made it about me. So that's called pride. The thing about God is, is he created everything for the sake of of his glory he created us so that's not pride because he purposed everything for the sake of his glory god deserves the glory because he purposed everything for his glory an example of this okay if a washing machine does not clean clothes if, if it's not washing clothes what is that washing machine useless it's broken right what is an air conditioner that doesn't condition air broken and you know the air conditioner in my room oh my gosh <sighs> hallelujah you know if the, if a created thing does not fulfill its purpose then what is it it's broken so we are all created in the purpose of glorifying god and if we are not accomplishing fulfilling the purpose for which we have been created we're broken you know, David was a man after God's own heart because whatever it was, he was so zealous. He was so passionate for God to be glorified. And, and going back to the verses of when, you know, David was like, I'm going to chop your head off. Um, the, uh, this is the verse I skipped, and that's uh, verse 47. And I want you to see David's heart in glorifying God. It says here, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. But for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. And I, I skipped the uh, verse 9 and 10 of Psalm 35 also. And this really reveals David's zeal, David's passion for uh for God's glory, it says here, the heavens declare the glory of God. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's the wrong one. Contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Um, fight against those who fight. Take up the shield and armor. 
I am so sorry, guys. Um, I, 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 put, I put the wrong verse. But, um, yeah. So, so if, if you go to Colossians 1, uh, 16. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm getting, oh, sorry. Verse 9 to 10. So then, it says here, uh, verse, Psalm 35, verse 9 to 10. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in what? His salvation. My whole being. Man, I, I love that. That, that phrase, my whole being, my whole being will exclaim, my whole existence will exclaim, who is like you, Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them, the poor and needy from those who rob them. The heart of David wasn't as loving as I thought it would be, but he was so passionate to give God the glory by any means. You know, the, the reason why the promises in Matthew 7, 7, the, the ask, seek, knock, you know, be given to you, or, or the promises in, in, in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, maybe it doesn't work for you because you are not after God's own heart. The promises of God are only accessible within the parameters, within the walls that is His will. His kingdom is limited to the walls that is his will. So what you may want may not be his will. In other words, what your heart desires, what your heart wants, may not be what God's own heart wants because it does nothing to bring him glory. So you can name it and claim it with all your heart, but you will not receive it because it is not his will. That's why prosperity gospel is a lie when they say, hey, God wants you to be rich. God wants you to have a Mercedes. God wants you to have a nice home. That's, that's a lie. I'm not saying God doesn't want you to have that, but this is the purpose for which God wants you to fulfill, and that is to bring him glory. It's to bring him glory. In Matthew 6, verse 9 to 10, it says, this then is how you should pray. So Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is, that is how you should pray. That, that, that's supposed to be the prayer of our hearts is, Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, your, your kingdom come and your will be done. The gospel is the foundation of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not meant for the advancement promotion preservation of you it is meant for his glory you know this is this is what the kingdom of god is made of it's it's made up of the people who are so passionate they're so zealous this this unrelenting zeal and this this radical passion for his glory to be shown However and whatever and with whoever, it doesn't matter. It's, it's the kingdom of God is made up of people with this burning conviction. Lord, you have to receive the glory, whatever you have to do in my life. Lord, you can make me rich. If that brings you glory, okay, you, Lord, you can make me poor. You can give me abundance or you can give me complete poverty. It's okay, God, if you receive the glory. God, you can, you can, if you want me to glorify you in sickness or in health, you want me to glorify you, me being hated by everyone or loved by everyone in the spotlight or in the background? God, if you want me to glorify you as a leader or as a servant, God, I'm willing. 
That's what the kingdom of God is made up. It's the, it's the people who say, Lord God, if you have to break me, if you have to embarrass me, Lord, if you have to ruin my reputation, put me under fire, or lay me in green pastures. Lord, whatever you have to do. And if I'm going to be honest with you, so many people are afraid of that prayer. So many people are afraid of that prayer because they're holding on to what they already have. That is the source of their stability. Whatever you hold on to is your source of stability. I want you guys to understand this. That is your security. You know, when the rich young ruler was unwilling to give up everything he had, it's because his identity, security was found in what he held on to. He couldn't hold on to Jesus because he was too busy serving wealth. And, and so many people are not willing. Oh, God, I'm, I, can't, I can't do that. I can't be poor for your glory. It's, people are so scared to truly mean the prayer of surrender. You know, most of the apostles of, of Jesus were persecuted, martyred, you know, died for a cause or both. You know, like, like did you know some of them were boiled alive in hot oil? Some of them were skinned alive. You know, so some of them were, were sawed in half. And some of them were excommunicated or, or stoned or, or casted out of society. Because their zeal was not for their own advancement. <laughs> They're willing to go through that because their zeal, their passion was not for their preservation. Their zeal was for the advancement of the kingdom of God. I want you guys to, 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 to really realize this. Question yourself. What are your motivations? What is the reason why you do what you do? What is the reason why you live how you live? The kingdom of God is not made up of people full of themselves. They're not people who are motivated by what they can get. The kingdom of God is made up of people who follow Christ. And the thing about following Christ, you have to be careful with this. Jesus says there's a cost. What, what, what is a cost? What does it mean to if, if there's, there's a cost? That means you have something to lose. What is the cost of discipleship? What do you have to lose to be discipled by Jesus? Everything. Your whole life. And I want you to really examine yourself have you let go of your whole life have, have you acquired and attained the same passion do you have that same heart god god lord whatever you have to do to my family that's scary right whatever you have to do with my reputation and honestly in philippines reputation is almost everything here lord whatever lord if you have to demote me ah that's scary it's, it, people are so unwilling to let go. But the kingdom of God is the people who are willing to go through anything and deny themselves. The, the people who, who let go and not preserve their life. Because what did Jesus say? Those who try to preserve their life will lose their life. But those who lose their life will find life. And that's because Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. Jesus is life. So if you want Jesus, you lose everything. And it says here 
in Philippians 3, 7 to 11. You know, this is one of my favorite verses because it really reveals the heart of Paul. It says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Imagine praying that prayer and really meaning it. Meaning it. Lord God, everything, everything I have, Lord, it's, it's a loss. All my years of education, all my efforts and exertions to attain wealth and stability, God, it's all lost because I just want to know you. <laughs> like, like that's, that's a hard prayer. Lord, I just want to know you. So everything is just a loss. It, the, the kingdom of God, what did Jesus say? Is like a man who finds this pearl, this, this treasure, and he's willing to sell everything just to have that. The kingdom of God is made up of people who see Jesus and say, Lord, I'm willing to give up everything. It's made up of people like Zacchaeus, who, 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 who sees that God has forgiven him. And what, what does he say? Lord, Lord, look, look at me. Actually, let, let, let's, let's backtrack. The rich young ruler was a chapter behind, and Jesus says it's easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And David says, Lord, who can be saved then? And Jesus says, if I, what is impossible for man is possible for God. And if you've left everything for, for my sake, then, then, then you will have the kingdom of God. Next chapter, he just said that it was impossible for a rich man to be saved. But guess what? Zacchaeus was what? A rich man. Zacchaeus was a rich man. And he says, Lord, because Jesus recognized him, Jesus called him by name. Jesus invites him to dinner. And receiving the forgiveness of God, something impossible happened. He says, Jesus, look, I'm giving away four times as much as I stole. And half of my wealth, Lord, I'm just giving away. And Jesus says, in this house, salvation has come. Something impossible happened. I want you guys to look at yourself. I want you to realize your salvation was completely impossible. There was no way, <laughs> no way that you should have ever been saved because of your sin. But the miracle is the grace of God. You know, um, when we look at Matthew 6.33, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. And the problem of this verse is not what it says. The problem of this verse is the heart of the people reading what it says. Their gaze, their eyes are fixed on the wrong thing. The verse literally says, seek first. Fix your eyes on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But what their eyes is fixed on is... All these things shall be added unto you. I want you to know um, this verse is, is not a promise fulfilled for you to have a comfortable life, to have a good family. So it's, a, it, it's not that. It's seek first the kingdom of God. So if you put the, 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 the kingdom of God as the priority, the priority of your life, if you seek and you fix your gaze, you, if you place your treasure in your heart, on the kingdom of God, he will give you anything and everything you need to give him glory. That, that, that's really what that verse means. You know, um, 
and you are seeking to advance the kingdom of God, you will have everything you need to do it. And the full exertion and the full thrust of our life is for His glory. And, and it's like this willingness for, for God to do everything. But I really want you guys to check your heart. Are you willing? Are you willing to give up everything? And if that's a no, uh, praise God that you have breath. <laughs> that breath is grace. Just because you see, oh my gosh, I am not willing to leave everything. You still have breath. You know, what I want to, this is not the message, but what, I, what God's really speaking to my heart right now is, Judas threw back the 30 pieces of silver. What do I mean about that? Jesus, uh, Jesus was sold by Judas for 30 pieces of silver. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Judas chose the 30 pieces of silver over Jesus. But he threw them back. He hated. Once, once he realized that that 30 pieces of silver, which is basically nothing, when he realized it's completely worthless compared to the infinite worth of Jesus, he despised what he replaced Jesus with. Exactly. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. And I want you guys to understand that. Whether you're under, the, whether you're in the side of grace or the side of justice, you're going to realize, oh my gosh, I, Jesus is so worth it. Jesus was so worthy of my whole life. Everyone is going to realize that even if you don't choose to admit that or realize that now. But the thing is, as long as you have breath, as long as you have breath, you have the chance to confess that and really believe that. As long as you, because our breath is the grace of God. And as long as we have breath, we have the grace of God. And when we confess it now, we don't have to receive the justice of God. But if our breath runs out and judgment comes and you realize that he is Lord, you will despise every single minute you chose to spend with something or someone else over Jesus. You will despise, you will hate, oh my gosh, really? I, I chose this girl over Christ? I chose my family? They're not as worth it as Jesus? I want you guys to notice that. This, really, I chose that? That's just 30 pieces of silver. It's nothing. It's complete garbage to, to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. That's why if... Um, let's, go to, uh, let's go back to Philippians 3. It says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. For the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost because of the what? Surpassing worth. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost everything. I consider them garbage. You know, my, my friend Jared, he made a good point about garbage. If... 
if I threw away this water bottle, put it in the garbage, and you see me, I take the water bottle from the garbage and I drink from it, what will you think of me? Disgusting. <laughs> That's pretty disgusting. No one picks up what they threw away. No one picks up what they threw away. What is more, I consider everything a loss. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. This is what the kingdom of God is made of. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that come from God on the basis of faith. Man, this is beautiful already. I want to know Christ. (laughs) Is that your life statement? I want to know Christ. I want to know him. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Oh, we love that part. We want to know the power of God's resurrection. But this is also the flip side of knowing Christ and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in death. Do you want to know Christ? Jesus says you don't build a tower without first considering if you have what it takes to build a tower. If you have the materials. In the same way, 